Hey, thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Dylan Krause. I've been doing school online. How many of you guys already knew that? I've been taking classes online. Some of you guys are about ready to transition to college. We've got Messiah College. Luke's already in college, going to Hack. We've got some Bethel Supernatural School students going. Hack, we heard another one for Emma. It's going to Hack. Lydia, where are you going? Oh, dang, I thought you were a senior. My bad. Any other seniors? Senior, 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 senior. Cool. So I'm, I'm a 10th year super senior, and I started, no, I'm 11th year super senior. Oh, my gosh. I had my 10-year reunion last year. Didn't go. I was on a youth retreat with all of you guys, so you're, it's your fault. No, it's, it's awesome. It was definitely better. Definitely better. What's that? What? Next year. I'll put on Froggy Fresh right after this, man. I don't ever roll without Froggy Fresh. <laughs> That's because we worked out in here. It was awesome. <laughs> so anyway, I've been I've like 11, you know, it was like nine years in when I started college after graduating and doing mission school and living in India and living in Europe and then coming back and I was like, hey, maybe I'll just go to school. And so that's what I decided to do. And anyway, like I'm only about like, I don't know, Amelia's almost done with her um, associates. I don't know why I was going to say administration degree. I was like, what? Associate's degree. She's kicking my butt. I've got like 30, I've got like 39 credits, and she's probably got like 60. Yeah. Yeah. See, told you. Kicking my butt. Anyway, so I'm just finally getting into philosophy class, you know, and so I just want you to open your minds for a second. How many of you guys have studied philosophy in high school? How many of you studied philosophy on your own? Awesome. Cool. I figured you would. I figured you would, too. But anyway, I think it's awesome. So this is the exciting part about philosophy. I'm telling you to open your minds, and you are, you're thinking, like, crap, this is going to be, like, biology or something where I have to memorize a bunch of terms and tell you them on a test. That's the great thing about philosophy. You don't really need to do that. It's just like, so what do you think about this? And literally, from Messiah College, the cupcake people, Jeff and Emily Mitchell, she said, I was, like, telling them about some stuff that I was learning or whatever because they were always asking. And she's like, I love philosophy. My philosophy teacher literally at the end of the, at the, end of the semester just said, I gave you all A's because how can I argue with your philosophy? I was like, what? <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's not even close to what's happening in my philosophy class, however. But maybe you'll get that same teacher or professor. That will be really good. But anyway, it's so, it's so interesting because it's not at all like, like I paired it with biology because it's like the exact opposite, you know, and I'm like learning all these terms about the, you know, Golgi apparatus and, you know, different stuff that you're trying to figure out about. And you got to memorize it all and then write it down in order and tell them about what everything does. And philosophy is just like, so what, is it, what does it really mean to get real? And so that's kind of the direction we're going tonight. These are the kind of questions that philosophers ask. And so we started with this thing, and it's called, like, metaphysics, and it's literally the study of what is real. We're talking about get real. If we were going to talk about getting real, we've got to know what is real, okay? And so, so metaphysics, there's these people, and I'm just giving you a quick overview, and I'm not expecting you to remember this at all, but I'm just giving you the basics. So there's, like, these people called substance dualists, all right? And they think that, like, there's 
the reality that exists here in the physical world, and then there's a whole other reality that's in the metaphysical world, which is also like where your soul exists, kind of where the mind is and all that stuff. And these are the people that talk about how there is, there is a spirit, soul, or, or something going on in the mind area that allows somebody to exist into the next life. And these are people that believe in an afterlife and yada, yada, yada. And then you probably know people in your school who are um, atheists or agnostic or whatever it is, and they're talking about how everything is just, everything is just like matter. Everything is only physical. There is nothing that exists outside of, you know about this? Everything, no, nothing exists outside of what we can touch, what we can feel. You know what I'm saying? And so th- those people obviously can, can't say that they believe in an afterlife because they would say, if you die here, you're dead. There's nothing else about you that continues on to the next life. Okay? How many of you ever read this psalm that says something like, you can do whatever you want to me. Go ahead and try and kill me. It doesn't matter because I'm, I'm not going to die, basically, is what it says. And, like, these B.A. dudes who rolled with David, you know, and they were just like, go ahead. We're warriors. We don't even care. We're doing God's work, and you can't even kill me because I'm going to keep on living. Like, those are the kind of gnarly dudes that I want to roll with. They're just like, you know what? You can do whatever you want to me. It doesn't matter because I'm still going to stay living in this other world, right? And this is exactly what we were talking about and Ben was talking about with that guy who was on the boat who wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul, because he was convinced that there was an atmosphere, there was a place. He had a citizenship in another kingdom where everything was perfect, where the, where the weeping had ceased and would be eternally ceased. He was living from a place where eternity was present in that moment. He was living from a place where eternity was present in the moment of crossing over the very ocean space where his family died and drowned. And he was he was thanking God and, and entering into a different reality, stepping into something that's available to you right now. Available to you right now. Isn't that crazy? And just so, like, the things that you're talking about and thinking about um, when, when Emma and, and different people were up here talking about, like, how I've just having this burden and feeling like everybody's kind of, some, some of us are going through some, some stuff and blah, 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 blah. It could be little things like the fact that, I just sent my dad and my wife on a three-hour journey to buy a truck in Maryland somewhere, and it ended up being a piece of crap, and they had to drive all the way down there for nothing. And, you know, like, that's the kind of little stuff I'm going through. And then there's other mega stuff in the background of my life, too, that I'm going through. But I can literally stand in a place physically. You can see me here, and all that stuff is happening in a physical world. And at the same time, my citizenship is in heaven, and everything about my life is well. Everything about my life as well. This is what happened when Peter stepped out of the boat and all of a sudden because 99.9% of his well-being was fixated on who God was and not who, what his circumstance looked like. And all of a sudden you just start walking on this water. All of a sudden you start walking in the midst of the waves because you have been fixated on the, the other reality that exists. And some, sometimes like if you can think, if you can't think about it like, um, like the two realities. One time Charles explained it like this, like imagine a big window, like this whole, like this whole box or whatever, this whole backdrop would be a window. And then imagine like shades or blinds that you can twist, you know, and then like you just take that rod and you twist it. And from, from one side to the other side, that's how easy. It's just like, this is, this is the physical world and boom, right? There's the spiritual world. And it's existing in, in and of its, of each other, like hand in hand. So, so interesting. Okay, so 
talked about the du- substance dualist, um, materialist, and then there's these people like these far out gnarly people who are actually like monks, which just makes me so happy. Because they're the idealists who think that like literally everything is just ideas. That all of you and me and everything, we're, we're not physical at all. It's like the Matrix stuff. There is no spoon. There is no spoon. My, my assignment for this weekend is literally to write a paper about the Matrix. That's awesome. Thank you, Liberty University Online. I'm going to watch the Matrix and write a paper, and hopefully I get a good grade. We'll see. Um, there is no paper! Ah, oh, yes! And look, I'm not subscribing to this idea at all. I'm totally a dualist. I, I, I'm, I'm not even, like, but he's just talking about the, like, it's pretty crazy. It's a, it's a really, like, worshipful, um, it's a, a very worshipful place to take, or, or, like, mindset to take hold of, because it's like saying, this is what they, this is what they think. They're saying that, like, at the same time that me and Isaiah are looking at this um, stand, this music stand, that God is creating the the idea of that stand in my mind, in, from my perspective, and at the same time, he's, he's creating an image and, and a likeness of this stand in Isaiah's mind in, from his perspective. Like, what? I mean, that's just, like, crazy, but it's, it's what they think, and it's like, yeah, God can do everything. Why not? I'm like, okay, that sounds good. Katie and I were talking on the couch the other night, and we were t- thinking about how we were, like, hoping that we'd get to see each other and hang out in heaven. And we were just talking about, like, ideas about it and everything. And I thought, you know, like, if you made us one here, maybe we would have, like, the ultimate unity. Um, sorry, she's texting me right now. She's just getting back. Holy Spirit. Oh, gosh. Jesus. Okay, sorry. This is important, guys. Talking to my wife. Get over it, okay? Whatever. It's going on the recording, too. <laughs> that's awesome. Good company, for real. Uh, should she come in? What do you think? Yeah. Come on in. They all want to see you. What's happening? Oh, glory. So anyway, we were talking about back on track. Sorry for that little break there. It was really important. Um, maybe my dad will come in too. You'll get to meet Wayne Krause. That would be pretty awesome. He's like a superhero in all really reality of the word. Um, quite literally, he is awesome. But he'll, he, if you think I can talk long, you have not met my dad. Oh, my gosh. He's, he's the real deal. Anyway, um, we were talking about how if we go to heaven, like, maybe it'd be like the ultimate unity where we would actually have one being and both of our minds would exist together. And we could actually experience each other's experiences through each other's perspectives and still be one person. That would be awesome. I'd be like, you would actually know how excited I get about dirt bike racing. For the first time, you'd really understand how much I love dirt bikes. You know what I'm saying? Like, how great would that be to share those realities? I just think it's awesome. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So those are some of my philosophies about heaven, I guess. Anyway, so there's this other other part of 
philosophy. Man, I'm not getting anywhere about this Jesus stuff, am I? I guess I've shared a couple of things. But anyway, there's this other aspect of philosophy called S. Ep, well, I better read it or else I'll get it wrong. Epistemology. There it is. Epistemology, right? You know about that? Dude, Xavier's on target. He knows all this stuff. He's like, get on my level, bro. <laughs> Epistemology. And um, it's the actual study of knowledge. Like, who thinks of this stuff? Like, all right, we, now we know all this stuff. Now let's study how we know it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like, these guys are, like, just the best guys. Like, the guys that you walk into the coffee shop and they're just there for, like, six hours, you're like, philosophy major. Yeah. Yeah, bro. And it can just talk circles around you and have all these crazy ideas. It's just wonderful. I think it's great. So, anyway, the study of knowledge and the, the questions they ask are just basically, how do we know what we know? Right? That seems like a pretty smart idea. And, like, when you really think about it, the things, when you make a huge decision in your life, like, I mean, for me, recently, like I said, it's this, these truck decisions, which have basically have been striking out on so far. So I haven't asked the epistemological question well enough. There she is. She's here. No, no Papa Kraus, though. <laughs> I just shared our ideas about being totally unified in heaven with them. It's pretty good. <laughs> so, yes, you're going to know. Anyway, how do we know what we know? So, when you're making a big decision, who am I going to marry? Who am I gonna, where am I going to go to school? What, what kind of job should I get? And you have to ask yourself, you have to think about asking yourself this question. How do I know what I know? So that you can actually go back through the things that, you've, the things that you're taking into account and you can know them, like for sure. Okay, so like, for example, like I tried to buy a truck in Florida like two days ago because my little brother lives there. And, and it was like literally $5,000 cheaper than it was valued at, which seems ridiculous and probably too good to be true. And you know what they say about things like that. And anyway, so like I was just totally blinded to the little things that didn't add up because I was like $5,000 cheaper than it's supposed to be. It's like, it was like literally a 10 or $11,000 truck. The guy was selling it for five grand. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. And all of the good things about it start to like totally cloud and clog your, 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 sense of reality and what's really good, right? You're just like, dude, I'm going to be able to go to Florida. We could go to the beach. I get to fly in a plane. I get to get a truck for really cheap. I get to see my brother. I probably get to ride a dirt bike. This is like going to be the best thing ever. And then I ended up sending my brother on a five-hour trip where there was no truck, no, nothing happened. He was super busy, super mad at me and this guy. And he literally was just like stuck in Orlando traffic from, for the rest of the night. Had to stay up till 3 in the morning doing the crap that he should have been doing while I sent him on this stupid goose chase, right? So for me to ask the questions, okay, how do I know what I know in that situation would have probably saved me 200 or some dollars that I had to pay him for his time and his gas. And it would also have saved him a big headache. So when you're like falling in love and blah, 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 and this guy is like this, the best guy you've ever seen and you know, he doesn't come to church, but it's okay because he has a Bible on his shelf. And, you know, his mom talks about Jesus here and there. And, you know, like, he's a good dancer and he wears nice shoes. So, like, why wouldn't I fall in love with him? You have to start asking yourself, how do I know what I know? 
how do I know what I know? What is really the real, what is really reality in this situation? Okay? All right. So there's a few ways you can know something. All right? There's, like, obvious things. If you want to get involved, you can just shout at me, okay, at any point in time. How do you know some stuff? How would you possibly know anything? You heard it. Somebody taught it to you. Somebody said something. So either, like, you're, you know some stuff about school because you sat in a classroom and they taught you stuff and they should know. So theoretically, it should be true. So you know that, right? And then there's, like, the other way that he said you heard it. So, like, Lydia tells you a story about how she just got a job at Starbucks and now she can give you a free pound of coffee because she got a job there and she doesn't have to pay for it. So she'll give you a nice pound of roasted coffee, whole bean, and you'll... You'll be happy about it because she did that for me. And so I can, I can even confirm that story and say, yeah, I got a pound of coffee from Lydia, and I was really happy about it. It made me really happy. It was great. And then when she says, I'll bring you one next Wednesday, you believe it because there's this testimony about what's happened, right? So it's a story about what's happened, and it's a testimony, right? Okay? So there's another way you can know something. What's another way you can know something? Trial and error. Okay. That, yeah, totally. What would you say? What would you say? See it? Trial and error. Hands-on experience. That's exactly what Preston was saying. That's exactly what Emma was saying. You're doing it. You're seeing it. You're feeling it for yourself, right? Awesome. You with me? Okay. So, um, how many of you guys were here for Jason Upton on the weekend, this past weekend? Hands. Hands. So, like, maybe, like, 30%-ish, which is nice. How many of you were here for Sunday? Okay, that's better, because this is what I'm talking about. Anyway, so um, for some of you guys that have heard this, then it'll just be recap or whatever. But um, he said this really awesome thing about his, how many of you liked it? It was really good, right? This is the guy I, I literally, like, played his CD till it wouldn't play in my CD player anymore when I got saved. I was like, this guy is so awesome. Um, anyway, lots of other stories I could tell you about that. But um, he he was sharing with with, like, everybody on Sunday, that he had a mentor growing up. How many of you guys have a mentor? Anybody? Somebody who's, like, coaching you in life, essentially. Yeah, okay, cool. That's good. (laughs) Hopefully that's not your mentor. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, So he had a guy in, in in his life who was, like, way older than him. He was, like, 16 at the time, and he's, like, um, Becoming, you know, he's, he's a Christian and everything like that. And this pastor asked him if he had a mentor in his life. He said, no. He said, well, I would like to be your mentor if you'd, if you'd have me be. And he said, okay, great. I would love that, you know. And so they met every Tuesday morning for breakfast at this little diner, you know. Maybe they went to Denny's Lenny's or something like that. If you guys don't know where that is, check it out. Um, and they just have breakfast early in the morning on Tuesdays, Denny's Lenny's. That's a real place, honest to God, real place. And... Um, he talked to him, you know, and, and the first things that they started out talking about was just, like, different stuff that was going on in this old man's church, and he would ask Jason for advice and blah, 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 blah. And over the years, when he, he's 16 at the time, and then by the time he's 18, getting ready to go to college, he asked the man, so, you know, like, this is the first time he straight up asked him. Like, he's in this mentor relationship. You think this would be the first thing? Like, hey, so do you have any advice for me about my life? Two years later, he asked this question. So what do you think I should do about my life? What do you think I should do with it? You know, what what... What kind of advice can you give me when I'm, right before I go off to college? And some of you guys have heard this, but he started, he said, get a piece of paper. And Jason took a napkin. And he, he said, I want you to write down four things. And so he started, he wrote number one. And he said to him, 
be still and know that I am God. And it's a verse out of the Bible. It's Psalm 46.10. And he started with that. And, and so all coming back to this reality of your philosophy, how do you know what you know? And this verse that says, be still and know that I am God. And we just talked about how you know something. You know something by, you know, hearing about it, right? And even the Bible talks about that in Romans. He says that, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. So you can read about the Word of God, you, or you can read about God in His Word. You can read about the, the stories and the testimonies of the Bible. So you can get testimony stories that way. And then you can also come to a place like this where you hear testimonies like Aureli just gave this this evening about how she, you know, believed and trusted in God for something that was totally out of reach for her to, to do on her own, which is the, totally the nature of who God is, to do stuff that we can't do on our own. And you heard something about some person that happened to them that would be great if it also happened to you, whether it's in that exact way or not. You would love to be able to trust God enough to where he did stuff that you couldn't do. Who, who does not want that to happen? Nobody. Exactly. That was really easy for me because even if you're not a hand raiser, I still got you to do what I wanted. Boom. And the other way that you absolutely know something is to what? What was the other way that we talked about? Experience it. See it. Taste it. Touch it. And this is so awesome because this is the kind of God, this is the kind of relationship that God has invited us into. He says, I want you. This is, this is the word of God that says, taste and see. Taste and see and know that I'm good. Look, God is not expecting you to, to come out and just, like, have faith. Like, you hear people push faith, 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 faith. You've got to have faith in God. You've got to have faith in God. You've got to have faith in God. That's not God's idea. God's idea is to be so good to you that you have no reason not to believe him, and he will encourage faith in your life because he is who he said he is. Faith is not a way that you know anything. Faith is a response to what you know. Okay? Faith is not a way that you, you can believe or know any, or not a way that you can know anything. It is literally a response to what you've seen, heard, or experienced. So someone can tell you a story about how they got $3,000 for a missions trip, and you can have faith that that can happen to you, and this is what opens the kingdom's doors. You hear, and then you just choose to step into a place of faith and go, God, I know you can do that for me. You hear a story about somebody who's had their, their, their whole lives were like this turmoil place where their family was all messed up and blah, 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 blah. And God came in and he set them free from chains of bondage and chains of like self-hatred and, and self-worth problems, all this stuff. He came in and spoke three words to them and said, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And it's totally transformed that person. And then you get to choose to believe that for yourself. And that's what faith is. Okay? You with me? Ah. The cool thing, getting real about who we are with God, this is all part of it, okay? Is, is getting to this place where we can know who he is. And I'll tell you why. Because in the beginning, right, what did God say when he made man? How did he make him? He made him in his image, right, Tommy? It's good, man. He made you. You were created in the image of God, okay? So he, you, all of a sudden, boom, there's Adam. Boom, there's Eve. 
celebration, right? Like we just talked about this last time I spoke, I think. God breathed into Adam's lungs, and the first thing that the first man experienced was the face of God and the word of God saying, it's good. Come on. Have you had that experience with the one who's created you, where you feel the breath of God come into you? That's what it is. That's what happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the first thing that comes, you know what the first thing that comes is when you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The understanding that you're good. Because it's the spirit of adoption that comes into you that says, I am, I am a part of him, and he is a part of me. And there's nothing in God that's separated from goodness. He is only goodness. So if I am a part of him and he is a part of me, then I am good. And the, the breath of God that comes into you that calls you a son and calls you a daughter also says, you're good. And for the first time maybe for, for your life or the first time in a long time, you get to be free from the doubts of knowing who you are. And the, the, the life of humanity has been on this trail where the identity of humankind has been inseparable from the, the, the identity of who God is. Okay, I've been just like recently trying to get back into like reading the Bible the straight way, the whole way through. And you would just like expect that you cannot get anything out of like Leviticus. You know what I mean? You're just like, I'm just going to power through and treat this like a long run on a Saturday. I'm going to get my goo pack at like mile 10 and I'm just going to power on through. You know, I'm just going to do it. And I've been getting so much, like so much heart revelation about the nature of God. Just reading Leviticus, it's insane. How many of you ever read Leviticus? Awesome. That's great. It's, it's like this whole book, and all it is is about the laws of God. And you would think it's the most boring thing ever because you remember what happened in the garden. People were perfect, and then they sinned, and then it, like, just unleashed hell on earth, right? And so that's what's going down that you see all around you where you see darkness and you see all this crap. It's because of original sin in man. And from the beginning then, it was like this, this um, <clears throat> it was the goal and the challenge. Not even, it wasn't even a challenge because what can be a challenge for God? But it was the goal of God to redeem and restore mankind back to this place where they knew they were good. You hearing me? Okay? Okay? And so he comes up with all of these 600 and however many laws, Stu? 613 laws, thou shalt not do this and that, and don't do graffiti in your youth room or else you go to hell. And, like, all this kind of stuff that you're just like, what does that even mean? Like, like some of it's obvious. Like, you're not supposed to, yeah, no, never mind. It's like some crazy real stuff in the Bible, and you read it, and you're like, whoa, I thought that was obvious. You know, but, eh, well, okay, he told him anyway. And at the end of all the laws, he says, I am the Lord your God. And he says, don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. I am the Lord your God. And when this happens, I want you to kill all these things, and I am the Lord your God. And there was all this sacrifice and, like, this stuff that went on. to, And it was like, but it was always followed with this, I am the Lord your God. And from the very beginning, he, God was set, set out to take a people for himself and claim them as his own, to set them apart. Dudes in here know about this, but it's a lot more casual than it used to be on the eighth day. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? 
And they would circumcise these dudes. And it's like, and God says, it's so that you would be marked and set apart. I am the Lord, your God. And he was choosing a people to mark them so that their identity would be wrapped up in his identity. It never changed. Not when sin came into the world and not, not like after Jesus came. Everything from the very beginning was that our identity, being who we are, would be totally consumed and interchangeable with the nature and identity of who God is. He has fully and totally claimed each and every one of you as his own. He is not separate from you. You cannot run. It says in Romans, you cannot run. You cannot hide. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, Preston. I don't care how many times you could pierce your face 900,000 times all over everywhere and tattoo your body up and down. It doesn't bother me at all. You know why? Because it doesn't bother God. That's what good friends are for. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care. I don't care how tight Isaiah's pants get. Like, they can just get tighter and tighter and tighter. And it's not going to do nothing to what God is. He is wrapped up. He'll get in there, bro. He will get right in there. He is wrapped up inside you. You know what I'm saying? You can't separate him from me. You cannot separate God from me. So Jason wrote number one, be still and know that I am God. And the man waited, made it pretty awkward, waited. You're like, this guy's old, so I hope he doesn't fall asleep before we get to number four. I'm not even on number two yet. And then he said, okay, number two, I want you to write this down. Be still and know. And then he waited. And he said, number three, I want you to write this down. Be still. I looked that up. And uh, in the original language, the word still, it, it literally means to cast down. Throw something down, to cast it down. And in the context, it was meaning that you would like throw your arms down to your sides and be totally, totally helpless in your own strength. To be totally, totally surrendered in a place where you know without a shadow of a doubt that God is God and I'm not. God is God and I am not. God is God and I am not. In philosophy, there was this guy, his, his name, I don't remember his first name, some of you guys might know it, but his, his name that they go by is Descartes. And he had this issue with philosophy that he was trying to fight for. Like, what is, what is actually real? I want to I get to what's real. You know what I'm saying? And people talk about that, and they throw it around like a chump word. Like, man, come on, get real, man, get real. Well, this guy was serious. He's like, I don't believe anything is real. I don't believe that this spoon is real. I don't believe that God is real. I don't believe that I am real. And he, like, literally was like, on a terror, trying to decipher, trying to reduce and deduce everything to a point where it would be so, so like, 
um, elementary where it would like he would find the elemental thing of life. And he got to this point where he realized that he was real because he was having his own thoughts. And he has this famous line, you're all going to hear it in your first philosophy 101 class, and it was something else in Latin or whatever he spoke, but essentially it was translated to, I think, therefore I am. I think, therefore I am. And it's like, that's not some mega statement or whatever, but this is what he deduced his life to, was like, this is, his main goal was to find out what was the, what was the existence of life, what was reality. And then he thought about God and he said, that God has to be real because I have thoughts of God. And God has to be, God has to be in, has to be in more than just the spiritual metaphysical world. He's got to be in the physical world because I am in both worlds and God has to be greater than me. So he must exist in this tangible world and the metaphysical spiritual world. Isn't that awesome? The last thing that the mentor told Jason to write on the napkin is one word, and it was B. Now, that is the most powerful two-letter word that you can hear if it's in the context of understanding that God has not, will not, cannot separate himself from you. Because if you're able to, to deduce your life down to this one thing and say to yourself every day in the midst of every situation, and you can tell yourself, be, with the knowledge and understanding that God is living and alive and wrapped up and intertwined and inseparable from you, it's all in one wrapped up an invitation to enter into <laughs> to enter into cooperation with God here now every single day and to say it is well it is well it is well with my soul oh come on why don't you stand up Oh, be still. All right, let's practice. Be still. Don't touch anybody. Don't look at anybody. Close your eyes. Let that one slide, I guess. (laughs) Thanks, Kev. All right, we're going to close our eyes. And we're just going to, okay, yeah, I can't do it because I got to hold a mic, but cast your arms down to your side. Go ahead and throw them down. I am helpless except for you. The greatest news about that is that you have not separated yourself from me. Look, if you're in this room and you don't acknowledge the fact that God is real or you don't know where you stand with him, I just, I guarantee you that 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 does not mean that he does not acknowledge you. I guarantee that that does not mean that he has separated himself from you. He is so near, and he's here tonight. And so, Lord, I just invite you to come to show yourself to each of us 
that we would experience you in a way that would move us to faith. And if I just take some more of your time and just invite Holy Spirit to just come and do that thing that he promised he would do. In Romans 8, he said he'd come and fill you with the spirit of adoption by which we would cry out, Abba, Father, the, the, the understanding and knowing from experiencing you coming in to live in our hearts, God, would automatically produce the awareness that I am in you. <clears throat> I am in you. You are in me. And I just invite you to come up with the real reality for yourself. The same way that this guy said, he put his crosshairs on this thing. I'm going to find reality. I dare you to say, I'm going to find you, God. I dare you to say, I'm going to put my crosshairs, I'm going to put my sniper like right on you. I am going to find you, God. I dare you to come up with your own mantra that says something like that. I think, therefore I am. I say, he is, therefore I am. I say that that he, because you, God, have been relentless in your love towards me, I am relentless in my love towards you. That nothing comes apart from you. So, Abba, Father, right now, we cry out, we ask, come. I, okay, if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, I want your everybody's eyes still stay closed. As much as you can, please keep your eyes closed. And I just want you to raise your hand. If you don't, if you don't ever have ha- experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just raise your hand. And staff, I want you guys, I'm not even opening my eyes yet, but staff, if you open your eyes and you could pray for anybody in the room that, ne- that has their hands raised. And we're just going to hang here for a second. I definitely need some staff people. Yes, Amelia, thank you so much. Yes, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So just come stay in this place. Obviously, if you've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I just want you to think about This is like a way you can worship. This is a way you can even invite it to become even more real. Like we said, that how do you know what you know? And I want you to recount your experience. I was in the theater the first time I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I started speaking in tongues. It was crazy. It was totally supernatural, something that only God could do. And I knew at that moment that he approved of me. It was like he breathed into my face life and said, it is good. And I remember the the second big time when I experienced the the power of God and I was in a big group of people and I just started screaming and praying in tongues because it was like it couldn't be contained by my mind. It couldn't be contained in my own, like, my own attempts at, like, life or whatever. It was just totally outside of my strength. What was that like for you? just ask God to come 
new waves of your love, new waves of experience, new, new understanding, God, new understanding of who you are and what you're like, God. Come and wrap us up like a winter coat. Come and be Abba. Come and be Daddy. Come and be Father. This podcast was recorded live at Wednesday Night Youth Meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.